0: That's joinmidi.com.
1: Hello and welcome to There Is No Offseason, the Dynasty Baseball Podcast at Baseball Prospectus. My name is Jesse Roach. I'm a writer and ranker at Baseball Prospectus, responsible for the top 500 Dynasty rankings and the top 500 Dynasty prospects. It has been a while since the last episode with Jeff Ponce of Baseball America. Fantastic episode about the Major League Draft. Please go check that out. I've had a cough over the last month, so I felt like not subjecting listeners to that on a podcast, so that's my reasons for why I have not recorded until now. So there's a lot to cover over the next few episodes. Starting with today and today's episode, I'm going to focus on players at the AAA level, prospects at the AAA level who have yet to debut at the major league level and who may arrive down the stretch and impact your fancy teams. And I'm going to start with five pitching prospects, some of which I wrote about last week at Baseball Prospectus. Go check out my article. And there will be others in that article that I am not going to get to today. So again, please go check out that article. And by the time this podcast likely drops, another article will be out out detailing hitting prospects, um, some of which I am not going to be discussing today. So let's start with pitching prospects. And the pitcher that headlined my article and the pitcher I want to talk about first today is a long. The prospect team at Baseball Prospectus has long been a fan of this pitching prospect, Connor Phillips, a right hand pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. He's in AAA. He's had sort of an up-and-down run in AAA uh, after dominating AA Southern League for the first half of the season with the tacky ball, and he's definitely one of those pitching prospects who benefit from the tacky ball uh, rather than detracting from stuff he actually had the best command of his career in double a and that's saying something for a player who has always had elevated walk -walk rates his walk rate in double a was 9.5 percent in triple a over his first eight appearances it's back up to 17.8 percent and that is the concern that's something we have to continue to monitor Otherwise, he's really showed out his stuff. His ERA is only 3.16, which is very good. Whip of 1.5. So it's been a bit of a rocky road so far in AAA for Connor Phillips. But he is almost on the 40-man roster. He'll be need, need to be added this coming offseason. So there's a real chance he arrives actually Lion Richardson another pitching prospect for the Reds who has not even thrown more than 4 innings this year a player who I adore who I'm very high on he arrived first uh, which to me was a bit of a shock I really did think that Phillips would be the person would be the arm that they go to the Reds went to for you know help in that rotation that really does need help with both Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. Injured, you know, they've had the turn. Obviously, Andrew Abbott's been fantastic. Barrington Williamson has actually surprised and been very good in the rotation, but they have like Luke Weaver there, uh, and they really don't have another arm. And it really, in my mind, makes sense for Phillips to be a player who does fill into that role down the stretch. And I could definitely see him arriving. Well, let's turn to his stuff, uh, because Phillips has some of the best pure stuff of any pitching prospect in the minor leagues right now. It starts with this four-seam fastball, which sits at 96 miles an hour. It averages 96 miles an hour and touches the upper 90s. In A. its induced vertical break was over 21 inches because of the tacky ball. It's backed up four inches in AAA. It's still above average at 17.5 inches. And when I'm talking about induced vertical break with regards to a four-seam fastball, it's usually talking about it's running or rising action, or it's not running, running. pardon, it's rising or action or carry. And pitches with high induced vertical break for four seam fastballs are more likely to miss bats at the major league level. And I do think Phillips has that type of bat missing four seam fastball with 17 and a half inches of induced vertical break so far in AAA. Great velocity at 96 miles an hour his command of his fastball, I mean given how mu- his walk rate, it's understandably not fantastic, but it's fine. And I think that the fastball while it looked the part of a potential plus plus pitch when he was in double A, I think it's more comfortably plus. It probably grades down slightly due to his command issues anyway. So, you know, while his stuff plus grade in double A was over 130 on his fastball, I believe it's dropped down to 115, according to Eno Serres at The Athletic. Please go check and subscribe to The Athletic and check out his stuff. It's fantastic. So, you know, it's still a very good pitch, but where Phillips truly shines are his breaking balls. He has two breaking balls who gra- that grade fantastically on Stuff Plus. I'm quite high on both of them, particularly his sweeper. It averages almost 9- 85 miles an hour with almost 13 inches of sweeping action And it's a big bat misser. So far in AAA, it has a whiff rate of 51.1%. Like his fastball, like all of his pitches, really, he does have trouble commanding it. His strike rate on his sweeper is just 54.6%, which for a breaking ball isn't disastrous, especially a big bat misser like his sweeper. I think his sweeper is a potential plus plus pitch, even with command issues. Not even with those command issues. Meanwhile, the next secondary he works with, next breaking ball, is his curveball, which is closer to a traditional twelve to six curveball. It's a low 80s curveball. The the velocity separation between sweeper and curve is not extreme. It's about two and a half miles an hour, but his curveball has very distinct shape with huge depth uh, for that velocity band, and it has bat missing qualities. It doesn't necessarily hasn't missed as many bats in AAA. I think hitters generally kind of lay off the curve. But it does generate a lot of called strikes, and it has been a very successful, very useful pitch for him. Uh, again, you know, it grades very well. It grades as plus plus generally, but I think that it's probably plays down to plus. It doesn't quite have, I think, the bat missing qualities that the sweeper has. Uh, the curveball, his strike percentage on the curveball is also 54%, 54.4%. So command there, again, is for a curveball that isn't disastrous, but again, not great and you it won't be really surprising for a player who has a 17.8% walk rate that the that the strike rates on these pitches aren't going to be borderline to below average. Finally, he throws a changeup which Stackhouse often misidentifies. And Stackhouse does misidentify pitches all the time. So, you know, when you're looking at stuff plus grades, for example, you must take that into account because a lot of the pitches either are grouped into one pitch group or they're identified incorrectly. So Stackhouse identifies his changeup as a sinker often. His changeup has actually on its own has decent qualities, you know, has decent velocity separation from his fastball. And it has very good depth of vertical depth separation from his fastball as well and you know decent running separation from his fastball in general most aspects of his changeup do trend above average except for the velocity separation which is sort of like borderline but the big issue is that he just cannot command it at all. Uh, and that's a one reason why he just barely ever throws it. His uh, pitch usage on his changeup is 4.3%. His strike rate on his changeup is 1 in 3 33.3%. He generates whiffs with the pitch when he actually can get hitters to chase it or actually locate in the zone. But his command's very poor on his changeup. I will note, you know, it is an intriguing pitch. I think it has a chance to become at least an average pitch if the command takes a big step forward. And that's the big question with Phillips is the command and I am continuing to come back to this issue with him. You know, if the command can get to borderline, then I think he will be very good. He could be a pitcher that is akin to what we're seeing with like Dylan Cease, you know, I think he could be that type of, have that type of mold, of course. You know, we've seen the downside of a pitcher like Dylan Cease this year where it's very a lot of inconsistencies, it's a volatile profile. Um, it could go the way of someone like a Michael Kopech. Um, Phillips is not quite built like Kopech, who's a fastball forward pitcher, but uh, I think that Phillips has a lot of volatility, but the upside is so tantalizing. And if he arrives, which I do think he will, down the stretch this year, he's a player that I would definitely uh, potentially be adding in basically all formats. Obviously, he should be owned in Dynasty at this point. I think he's a top 50 prospect. I ranked him 42nd. Uh, But I think that in redraft, he's a player to try and target off waivers down the stretch, especially if he has favorable matchups, particularly away. Um, So moving on from Colin Phillips, I'm going to move to probably the more high-profile AAA pitcher who, you know, there's been rumblings that he's going to arrive at some point, uh, but he hasn't. And he's another pitcher with huge command issues it's kyle harrison a left-handed pitching prospect for the san francisco giants it's been an up and down season for harrison his walk rate is actually down and it's down to 17.3 percent so that just shows you where it was at which was really elevated um, but he's sort of starting to settle a little bit his outings have been shorter uh, he's Hasn't even gone past four innings over his last five starts. Um, he still has command wobbles, of course, but you know he his stuff is still very, very good. And the Giants' rotation is just a big question mark uh, after after like Logan Webb, and you know they're they've where the, the way they've used their pitchers uh, with these follower you know opener follower roles for many of them you know other than Webb and Cobb and Stripling you know players like Alex Wood, Sean Manea, Jacob Junis, Tristan Beck even they're getting a lot of run but they're mainly in this like opener follower role and I think they're kind of positioning Harrison for that role as well so I don't know if Harrison's actually going to be an an impact fantasy performer, and that's why I wanted to mention him right now. He would not be a player I'd be trying to target in redraft formats because I just don't think he's going to go deep in games when he does arrive, and I don't think he's going to be a player. I think he's going to be incredibly volatile in that. You know, he could walk the world, or he could have three or four shutout innings. But those three or four shutout innings, I just don't think it's going to be enough for him to carry fantasy value down the stretch in redraft formats. But his stuff is still very good. You know, he starts with his fastball. His fastball is an interesting pitch. It almost has dead zone shape. And you may have heard about dead zone, maybe even for the first time with Paul Skeens, who has a dead zone fastball shape where the induced vertical break and the horizontal break are basically the same. And that's what we have with Kyle Harrison. His induced vertical break is 13.3 inches. His horizontal break is 14.4 inches. It at times can have almost like a sinker quality to it, uh, but it is definitely a forcing fastball. Now, the why it's so successful is that it has above average velocity, or just above average, just 94.1 miles an hour is what's average this year, but it comes from such a low vertical approach angle that it's able to miss a ton of bats. It's his whiff rate on his fastball in AAA is 35.8 percent, which is a crazy amount for a fastball. Um, I, it grades incredibly well because, in large part, because of how low its vertical approach angle is, that according to Inoceros' you know, Stuff Plus, uh, as of August 1st, it had a 125.1 grade. I think the fastball is a potential plus-plus pitch. The problem is is command um, and his fastball command is of course not great. You know, and I think that's one of the, that's just going to be an ongoing theme with these couple pitchers. And after the fastball, he has a, a slider slurve pitch. I think gets designated often on Sackas as a slurve um, because it's a slider that has depth and plenty of sweep but it doesn't quite have traditional slider depth it's got it doesn't have traditional curveball depth it's that weird in-between range Um, and it's also grades fairly well uh, but you know i just it's not as effective as i think a lot of people thought it would be i think a lot of people say it's a potential plus pitch I think that its shape, it's weird, its in-between shape actually causes it to play down. It doesn't miss as many bats as you'd expect. Uh, His his whiff rate on his uh, slurve is 26.4% on the year, according to Prospects Live. uh, And he struggles to command that as well. So I think that that's my big concern with him too, is that the the breaking ball needs to be sharper and tightened up before I think he's going to find success with it at the major league level. Finally, he also has a changeup. And just like uh, just like Connor Phillips, he really has trouble commanding his changeup as well. And his whiff rate on his changeup is just 6.2%, which is obviously terrible. Uh, but the changeup, when he commands it well, it has really good good as solid velocity separation about seven miles an hour it has almost 10 inches of vertical depth separation from his fastball and it has big running action i mean it's not necessarily a ton of running action relative to his four seamer but on its own it has over 18 inches of run which is a ton for a changeup so i think a changeup has a lot of intriguing qualities as well and i think that with titan command it conceivably could rise to the level of being a big league quality pitch uh, but the command's a real big issue here with kyle harrison and i think that down the stretch he'd be a player i would you know he has name value and some people still value him very highly in dynasty you know i think there's an open question whether he's even a top 100 dynasty prospect given the command issues and given the secondary concerns that i've detailed Uh, i'm very wary of kyle harrison i really want to just talk to him about him because i would just say stay away in redraft formats once he does get called up because i do think he he's getting kind of prepped for like a shorter role at the big league level and i do think he will arrive later this year the next pitcher i want to talk about is ben brown Ben Brown is a pitching prospect for the Chicago Cubs. He's also had command issues. I mean, this is uh, welcome to AAA, the land of pitchers having trouble with command. Uh, This is just endemic of most pitching prospects at this level. Uh, Ben Brown's walk rate at AAA is 14.3%. His walk rate at AA earlier this year, uh, just four starts, mind you, was 7.8%. So a stark difference here. But Brent Brown is on the 40-man roster for the Cubs. The Cubs are in contention in the NL Central. The Cubs rotation right now has a bunch of mediocre arms outside of Justin Steele. There's Jamison Tyon, who's kind of really been poor this year. Granted, he's unlikely to be unseated from that rotation. Kyle Hendricks has actually had a kind of a resurgent season, even if even if he's very mediocre generally. And then there's Javier who who's entered this rotation as well recently. Uh, but they have Marcus Stroman, who will be back from injury very soon. But I think there's going to be an opening here. I think Ben Brown's the one that makes the most sense to fit into it because he is on the 40-man roster and he has big league stuff. I mean, Ben Brown has... Uh, very underrated stuff. He has a very unique pitch in general. He has a power curveball that often gets identified as a slider by StatCast. It's a curveball that sits over 85 miles an hour uh, with huge depth for a pitch at that at that velocity. His uh, induced vertical break on his curve is basically negative five, which is huge for a pitch that comes in that hard. And it's a pitch that misses a ton of bats as well. Uh, I really think it's a you know I think it's a plus plus pitch. I think it's a fantastic pitch. It's his bread and butter really. It's one of his you know best pitches generally, uh, and it gets very good grades. Uh, it's stuff plus grade. Granted, when I talk about Ben Brown and his stuff plus, there are going to be mischaracter misidentifying misidentified pitches particularly with his breaking balls some of his sweepers get identified sweeping sliders get identified as these curveballs which are identified as sliders on stack so yeah you with me there but his slider is very good it grades his curveball mind you it grades at 115 on as for stuff plus i think it's probably even better than that I think it's a potential plus plus pitch uh, if the command comes along and that's the big concern here because the command on the curve is not great. Uh, After that uh, he has and I guess the pitch that we need to talk about is his fastball. It's a pitch that he throws it's 95.5 mile an hour four seam fastball with decent shape 16.5 inches of induced vertical break which is perfectly average Uh, but the velocity of course is plus. And I think the fastball is a plus pitch because of the velocity and the solid, decent shape. um, And it grades at 110.5, according to Eno Saris. So, you know, it's, I think, another plus pitch. Meanwhile, the sweeper, which is sort of a newer pitch that he's incorporated this year, uh, it has nice qualities and it misses a lot of bats. It's uh, basically almost the same velocity band as the as the curveball comes in, it's average 86.4 miles an hour roughly this year um, with a lot of about eight inches difference if vertical break and almost six inches more sweeping action in the slider. It's not necessarily a traditional or th- than the curveball It's not necessarily a traditional sweeper. The sweep is just 8.1 inches. So but it gets categorized as that. I personally think it's a slider, and I think that its velocity, the depth it gets, and its sweep are all plus, and I think that it's a very good pitch, and adding this pitch to his repertoire is huge. I mean, I'd argue that, that this pitch is potentially also a plus-plus pitch along with this curveball, and I mentioned earlier uh, with Connor Phillips that he they have very similar stuff generally brown and phillips i think phillips's fastball is better than brown's fastball and i think phillips's sweeping slider is better than either of brown's secondaries here too either of his breaking balls and i'd even go as far as saying that you know phillips's changeup and i haven't talked about brown's changeup um, because we shouldn't be talking about brown's changeup because it's bad um phillips's changeup is far far better and i'll touch on brown's changer briefly he doesn't throw it very often it has very it has about six inches of velocity separation five inches of vertical depth separation and five inches of horizontal run separation it's a below average pitch i think generally uh he doesn't throw it for a good reason I think with Phillips's changeup, it has more potential. Like, it actually has potential. Brown's changeup, I don't think, has any potential. I think it's just a pitch that he ultimately is going to ditch and just focus on the fastball, curve, and slider. And I do think that those are going to be viable, make him a viable pitcher at the major league level. We just need to see the command come forward. And again, I think he arrives this year. He's a player that I'd also be on the lookout if he if he does, if and when he does arrive, he would be a player I'd be targeting in redraft as well. Uh, the next pitcher I want to talk about is Ryan Pepiot. Uh, he's a pitching prospect for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's been in the major leagues before, you know, and he it has performed fairly well before as well. Uh, just last year, he threw 36 in the third innings. 42 strikeouts he walked 27 batters in that span but his era was just 3.47 he showed well there now in AAA this year it's only been six starts and they have they haven't really been deep until recently Um, his most recent start In AAA, he threw six and two thirds innings, struck out 11, no earned runs, one hit, no walks. And on the season, I think what's really impressive so far with Pepiot this year is his walk rate in AAA is just 5.4%, which is basically half of what his walk rate was, uh, has been in the minor leagues up until this year. Um, If the command gains are real and sustainable here, that's a big deal, and he's a player who can conceivably be a top 100 prospect before he graduates once he does arrive, and so far this year in AAA, the stuff looks very good. His fastball velocity is averaged 94.4 miles an hour. He has 17.2 inches of induced vertical break on the fastball. Both of those are above average metrics, and you know the command, again, is improved generally of his stuff, and I mean, I think the fastball... Is a potential above-average pitch, maybe even plus. I know that it has received plus grades in the past, and I think it does grade quite well on Stuff Plus. Uh, but the the pitch that really stands out uh, for Peavyot is the changeup, a pitch that Stuff Plus is not nearly as keen on as it as it they ought to be. And this is the big, I guess, hole in Stuff Plus is that they don't. It has trouble identifying really quality change-ups. I mean, Pepe has been a pitcher who has been known for this change-up, you know, high spin change-up with huge vertical depth separation from his fastball. Uh, it's, I think, an easy plus pitch. Uh, and uh, let's talk about this differential with the change-up and fastball. Uh, the change-up has over eight miles an hour velocity separation from his fastball. But where it's really wild is it has 12 and a half inches of vertical break separation from his fastball and eight inches of horizontal break separation from his fastball. So the movement variability with the fastball is just massive. And its average spin rate this year in AAA is 2,411 RPMs. Actually a higher spin rate than this fastball, basically barely higher, but very similar spin as the fastball. Um, I think it's – I mean, I think I would not be shocked if people – I've seen people put plus-plus grades on it. I think it's one of the better change-ups in all the minor leagues. Everyone talks about Gavin Stone's change-up. I mean, I think Pepio's change-up is just as good, if not better. And his fastball right now is definitely better. And I think this opens the question, like – I think Pepio right now, as as I'm speaking right now, is a better pitching prospect than Gavin Stone, has a better outlook right now than Gavin Stone. And I think he arrives back in the major leagues probably before Gavin Stone, because I think that if the command gains are real, like I said, I this is just a pitcher who's very much on the rise. Finally, I didn't mention his slider, and his slider has actually taken a step forward as well this year. Uh, his slider has averaged 87 miles an hour this year with very good depth for what it has been at that velocity in particular, and some sweep—seven 7.3 inches of sweep. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a pitch that's like a fantastic pitch, but I think that his slider is a potential above average pitch, and again, you know, it's much better than Gavin Stone's slider. So... I think we're talking about a pitcher here that has at least an above average, a potential above average fastball, above average slider, plus changeup. And if the command gets close to average, or if it maybe it's at average now, that's a very real big league starter. And he just went six and two thirds innings. I could see him coming up to the major leagues soon. He'd actually be a player I'd consider actually stashing very soon in redraft formats, because I think he, if and when he comes up for the Dodgers, He's going to be on a great team. He has great stuff. Uh, He could really shine down the stretch. The problem here, though, is the Dodgers' rotation is completely stacked. It has Clayton Kershaw, Lance Lynn, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias, and Bobby Miller. I just have trouble seeing him cracking into that rotation as it currently stands. But he's a player that to monitor if there's any injury. Um, Obviously, a lot of these pitchers are not bastions of good health. Yeah, I think Pepe is the guy who comes up and I think he's the guy that we need to be back in on in big, in a big way in dynasty formats. The last pitcher I want to touch on is Joey Cantillo. Uh, he's a left-handed pitching prospect for the Cleveland guardians. Uh, he's a pitcher who has seen his stuff take a big step forward this year. His velocity's way up from what it's been in the past. Uh, Way back when, he was a pitcher putting up huge numbers in A-ball as a lefty basically relying on his secondaries in good command when his fastball was sitting in the upper upper 80s. Now, his fastball touches the upper 90s and has averaged 93.8 miles an hour in AAA this year with solid shape, 16.6 inches of induced vertical break. It's a solid pitch. You know, it's by no means like a plus a plus plus pitch or anything like that but I mean I think that his fastball could conceivably be calm and is already at least average and you know the velocity gains it feels like they're coming on more and more and more too and I think there's a chance that his fastball can get to be an above average pitch in time given its velocity and the shape that it does flash it will flash good carry um and i do think that there's a chance this fastball has some bat missing utility its whiff rate this year is 19.9 percent in triple a i mean i think that it could get higher um with more slightly more velocity slightly more carry and all of a sudden his fastball looks uh, a lot like Pepe's fastball in a lot of ways uh, Cantillo's fastball also is a little bit unique in that it is sort of has natural cutting action, does not have a lot of sweep. Um, but uh, I do think that the fa- his fastball can be a very successful pitch in the major league level. Behind the fastball, he has a f- three distinct secondaries in a changeup as a primary, then there's a slider, and a curveball. Uh, of these pitches, the best pitch in my mind is the slider Uh, his slider has some it's it's average 84.2 miles an hour it has decent depth and it has some sweep and the slider has performed very well this year for him i think it's a potential above average pitch Um, and again i'm saying this is the probably the best of his secondaries and i'm it's just above average you know Cantillo is not a player who's going to blow you away with his stuff. His stuff, he may not even have a pitch that's above average. But all of these pitches are quality, and he's able to command them fairly well. Um, After the slider, his other breaking ball is a curveball. It's about 76 miles an hour. It's a huge breaker. It has tons and tons of depth. These types of curveballs never really grade that well, but it has a lot of bat missing utility for him. His whiff rate on his curveball this year in AAA is 60%, which is wild. Um, on a stuff plus model, his curveball is a grades as a borderline pitch. You know, stuff plus does not like curveballs that lack velocity, and you know again his velocity on his curveball just 76 miles an hour average, and I do think at the major league level he may not he's unlikely to miss as many bats with this pitch. But pitches like this, they can they can steal strikes. They can induce weak contact. I think the curveball that he has is plays above its stuff rating. And I do think it's a potential at least an average offering. Um I think it's a quality offering and it is very 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 distinct from his slider. It has over 22 inches of vertical break differential from his slider. Very distinct breaking ball. Finally, he throws a changeup. And I think as a young pitcher, the changeup was, I think, his bread and butter, the thing that uh, he was most known for. It has a ton of velocity separation from his fastball, uh, 13.6 miles an hour. Uh, But that's really what it relies on to find success. It's a velocity separating pitch. Uh, It does not have a lot of vertical or horizontal break differential from his fastball, particularly given the velocity separation. It's still an effective pitch. I just don't really think it's going to uh, be as good as maybe some people thought it would be or some people grade it as already. I think it has the chance to be an average offering as well just because he has good command of it mainly and the velocity separation should help keep hitters honest. So I do think it has some utility. Again, you know, it's another pitch that has missed a lot more bats than you'd expect given its you know, metrics, its whiff rate in AAA this year is 48.1%. So both the change of and curveball have been huge bat missers for Cantillo in AAA. Uh, I'm not nearly as keen that they're going to, that that's going to continue for him. But still, we're talking about a pitcher who has potentially four average, at least major league average pitches. That has a lot of utility as a back-end rotation piece. You know, I think he could be a, maybe even up to like a four starter. I think it's more likely he settles as like a five, but I do think there's a future here for him in the rotation. I think the thing to monitor with Cantillo is the command this year has been on, you know, uncharacteristically off. His walk rate on the season is 13.4%. That's including his performance in Double A and in AAA. Uh, you know, I'd have to expect that that comes down and, and improves. Uh, with more reps you know he is still quite young Uh, he's just 23 years old he is on the 40-man roster and the guardians have had a carousel in their starting rotation Uh, right now as i speak you know they have uh, four rookies in their rotation right now and Noah Syndergaard you know how long Xavier Curry is able to stick in the rotation he's probably better utilized In a relief role where he can kind of rely on where his fastball can play up and he can thrive there. Um, He's been okay in the rotation, so I think he's going to get a little bit more run. And they do have Cal Cal Quantrell who's started a rehab assignment and he'll be back soon. I'm not sure there's an immediate need here for Cantiu in the rotation, but he's someone to just keep an eye on. Um, His performance in AAA is interesting his stuff gains are interesting and I think he makes him like a very deep sleeper uh, in terms of uh, I guess redraft purposes and for like the rest of the season so I'll do it with pitching prospects let's move on to the hitting side of things I'm going to detail five hitters uh, and I'm going to start with Noelve Marte and again these are going to, I'm going to be focused on hitters I think could have an impact at the major league level at the end of the season or players who may arrive at the major league level that I would caution against. Uh, first, Nuelve Marte. Uh, Nuelve Marte is on the 40-man roster. He's up in AAA, and he's performing quite well. In fact, he's performed very well on the season other than a slow start in A. And there, I think there is some prospect fatigue settling in with Marte. You know, he's been on our radars for a long time. He was an, a high-profile international signee in 2018, and it's just been... A very typical slow climb through the system. He's just 21 years old. He's up in AAA now. Uh, he's on the cusp of the major leagues. The big issue here for his short-term uh, potential impact at the major league level is the crowd up at the major league level in the infield. They have LED De La Cruz, Mac, Mac McLean, Christian Encarnacion on strand. Spencer Steer is moving back. Back and forth between the outfield and third base, they have Jonathan India, who's currently on the IL, and of course they have Joey Votto at first base and designated hitter. So it's very crowded, and I think that it may need they may need an injury to free up time for Marte. But I do think Marte is a player who could potentially push for playing time down a stretch. This is a team that has playoff aspirations; they're right in the hunt, and I think that we could see Marte be a player who comes up. And surprises a lot of people. Um, you know, he is a high-profile prospect, so I guess it shouldn't be come as too much of a surprise if he performs. But I think he's a player who a lot of people, uh, at least in my take, is a lot of people underrate. You know, Marte has actually very good bats of ball ability. His zone contact rate this year in AAA is almost 90%, which of course is fantastic. But this is nothing new. He's had solid bats of ball ability for a long time now. Uh, The power has always been there as well. His 90th percentile exit velocity in AAA is over 106 miles an hour, which is firmly above average. Uh, He gets to he doesn't get maybe to as much power as you'd expect in games uh, because he does have sort of a hit over power approach where he has great bat to ball ability and his swing is kind of oriented toward line drives. Uh, so because of that, he is, I think, a player who will hit for average. And I think a lot of people you'll see around they don't grade his hit tool very well, but I think it's a, at least a potential above average hit tool. Uh, I do question about how much power he ultimately will get to. I think it it may only be average game power, but he's going to call. He's going to have a very favorable home ballpark, and we've seen that park turn hitters with average game power or even borderline game power into power hitters. And I could see Marte easily being a player who develops above average game power because of his park. Park aided above average game power, and that I think he could be a player who gets to 25 or more home runs uh, at peak. He also does steal some bases even though he has bulked up and slowed down some you know he's no longer the plus runner he maybe once was as a prospect Uh, but there's I think enough base running acumen that he's going to be a non-zero in that department I think he will provide double digit stolen bases Uh, so he's very much an interesting player I think the big question with Marte is just where is he going to fit on this roster I think ultimately what what I think is likely is we're going to see McLean move permanently to second base in time and we'll see uh, likely Ellie be the shortstop and Marte move to third base he split his time between third and short basically 50-50 on the season I think Steer's probably going to eventually move more fully out to either first base or left field and of course Encarnacion Strand I think will be a first base designated hitter so I mean this is the Cincinnati Reds of the now and the future. I mean, it's such an exciting young team. They're gonna be absolutely stacked in that infield. Uh, and Marte is definitely a player to be excited about. The next player I wanna talk about is Mason Wynn. Uh, he's a shortstop prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he's on quite a tear uh, in A. He's hit nine home runs over his last 26 games. Uh, and for a player who power was one of the biggest questions in his profile, it's a big deal that he's hitting for power and you know it's they're not it's not like that he's just squeezing these home runs over the fence they're bombs like he 4 430 420 like he hits these with authority i've saw it in spring you know in this spring training he hit like a, i think the exit velocity was 106 on the ball but it went over 430 in spring so there is legit over over the fence power with Mason Wynn his His hard hit rates are very poor. On the season, his hard hit rate is just thirty point six percent, thirty point seven percent. Even during this stretch that dates back to July fourth, I think that's the best date to kind of start from, where he's hit three fifty eight, four thirty seven, twenty six with nine home runs in twenty six games. Even during that stretch, his ninetieth percentile exit velocity was one hundred three point three miles an hour. His hard hit rate during that stretch was 36.1%. 36.1%. So it's not huge power for Mason Wynn, but it's enough power. And we've seen players with his profile really thrive this year. Someone like a Seong Kim, Thario Estrada, CJ Abrams. Mason Win's right in that bucket. I think that he could be a player who gets you 15 plus home runs with 20 plus stolen bases uh, very soon. And he's also a player who is very likely to arrive down the stretch the Cardinals traded Paul DeYoung and Brendan Donovans out for the season so they have a massive opening in the infield uh, right now and I think that they are holding Mason Wynn back to preserve his rookie eligibility for next year so I'd imagine that we're going to see Win at the end of August or early September He's a player that we need to start rostering right now in rehab formats as a reserve because again he's going to arrive very soon, and I think once he arrives he's going to be a very valuable player right away because if the you know the power gains I think are very impressive he's up to seventeen home runs in AAA at twenty one years old um, and he's going to be twenty one years old all year. It's just pr- pretty remarkable, and the upper ends of his exit velocities are not. Nominal. He has max exit velocity is 110.1 miles an hour. I mean, there is juice in the bat. Uh, I just think that, you know, he's a player who should outperform the EVs and the hard hit rates, uh, just like we've seen with Kim, Strata, and Abrams. So Don't sleep on him for that purpose. He also is a high contact hitter. His zone contact rate is almost 90% this year in AAA, and it's just been ticking up all year. I think during this stretch, it was almost up to like 95%, something crazy like that. So the bats ball is very good. And like with Kim Estrada and Abrams, I mean, those are all players that have borderline power, but it plays in games. partly because of their field to make their ability to make contact their their bats of ball ability and that's where we're at with Wynn. Uh, I, I think what we're seeing with Kim right now I think what Wynn could do uh, and I mean obviously what we're seeing with Kim is amazing so you know take keep that in mind when we're thinking about Mason Wynn. The next prospect I want to talk about is Rafaela. Raffaella. Uh, Raffaella has been in AAA uh, now since late July or since late June. And he's been ridiculous in AAA. He's actually tripled his home run total in just 36 games in AAA. He had six home runs in 60 games in AA, 12 in 36 games in AAA. Uh, it's just been a massive home run binge he's such a unique player generally on the season I just want to talk about season line I think it's kind of going under the radar no one's really talking about it he's hit 305 347 524 with 18 home runs and 34 stolen bases now there is very intriguing power speed upside here with Raffaella he's not the biggest guy he's just listed at five foot nine um, and the power is not um, not through the roof but it's pretty squarely average raw his 90th percentile exit velocity in AAA is 103.8 miles an hour he's of course hitting for a ton of power in AAA Uh, and of course he's a plus runner he has tons of speed he's a great defender I mean that's I think the the best tool he has is his glove Um, and he can play a very good center field and he plays shortstop very well Um, I think that defense is is going to give him a very high floor for fantasy and that he's going to have a role it's just about is it going to be a fancy impact role i mean if he can get to his power and speed in games it's going to be an impact um i think there's 2020 upside here with Rafaela. the big issue is the hit tool you know he may be hitting 305 on the season but there is a very real problem with his approach. It's incredibly aggressive. In AAA, his swing rate was is has been 56%. And his chase rate is 44.6%. It's incredibly aggressive approach. And the his contact rate as a result of all that chasing of, of his disastrous plate approach is below 70% in AAA, 68.8%. Meanwhile, his zone contact rate is quite good, 85.4%. I mean, theres bats of bat-to-ball ability here in the zone. And generally, theres bats of bat-to-ball ability, but his swing decisions are so poor that the difference between his zone contact and chase rate is 16.6 points for context purposes. No one at the major league level has a differential that large. The closest is Jeremy Pena, and it's 14.9 point difference. And we've seen the issues that Peña's had this year, uh, you know, performing and getting to his power and, of course, his speed in games. You know, I think Pe- Peña is an interesting comp to Rafaela in a lot of ways. He's a very good defensive player that has fantasy viable tools, but underperforms because of his plate approach. Uh, I'm not saying that Rafaela is Peña. I mean, Peña is looks like the prototypical elite baseball player with his frame and uh, a lot of what he brings to the table rafael does not i think that that is a path he could take though uh, and i'd also mention christian pace as a path that he could take as well as a fantastic defensive player whose batches never gets going at the matrix level because of the approach cons- approach issues that he has so the hit will risk is very extreme for rafael But the power and speed that he brings to the table is so intriguing that I think he has to be a top 100 prospect. Uh, He's not going to be a player who's going to break into the top 50 anytime soon, even given his amazing run in AAA. But the power and speed is so intriguing. He's on the 40-man roster. He likely, he could conceivably arrive as soon as this year. I mean, the Red, the Red Sox have been benching Jaron Duran and Alex Verdugo often versus left-handed pitching, and Rafael is a righty. It would make sense for Rafael to come up and at least be a short-side option for that, in that outfield. Of course, you know Duvall and Ref Snyder are competent short-side Pieces technically for the Red Sox, although I mean I think calling Ref Snyder a competent short side piece is maybe a massive stretch, but I could see Rafael breaking in and getting decent run um, as a backup outfielder who you know maybe sees spells Trevor Story at shortstop on occasion uh, and you know gets more playing time than maybe you'd expect down stretch and gives like a nice little power speed boost for teams that are really desperate for it in redraft formats. So he's a guy definitely to put on your radar and keep him there. Uh, the next player I want to talk about is Daryl Hernase. He is a shortstop prospect for the Oakland Athletics. Oakland has been calling up everybody under the sun up to the major league level. Hernase is not on the 40-man roster, but he needs to be added after a season. Uh, They have Nick Allen right now, who's actually performing okay at the moment at shortstop. Zach Giloff, of course, is thriving at second base. You know, if Allen gets hurt or or struggles, I could see Hernandez being the guy they turn to and bringing up to play short. He's had a fantastic season between double and triple A on the year and this again a player i think not not a lot of people are talking about he's hit 338 398 493 between the two levels 338 average uh, just truly incredible uh, performance this year and it's not a punchless profile there is legit pop here in triple a so far uh, over 88 uh, bad balls his 90 is Uh, His average exit velocity is 90.6 miles an hour. His hard hit rate is 42%. His zone contact, almost 87%. Contact rate, almost 83%. This is a high contact hitter who has legit power. The problem with Hernandez, I think from a fantasy perspective, is that he doesn't lift uh, his Average launch angle is just 2.2 degrees. His ground ball in AAA, his ground ball rate in AAA is 52.4%. You know, there's just not a lot of, it, it's a it's a profile that's built for contact uh, and contact to all fields. It's a hit over profile, uh, hit over power profile, but he should be able to hit for average, provide some power. Uh, He's he's 10 for 13 in stolen bases. He's not necessarily a burner, but there's enough speed there that maybe he can get two double-digit stolen bases. You know, last year, he did steal 32 bases. You know, he's not going to be a guy who's likely to steal 20-plus. But, you know, Oslevis Basabe recently got called up for the raise, and Hernes is a guy I easily prefer to him. They have somewhat similar profiles, but Hernes is a lot uh, more... I think bats a ball ability than Basabi does uh, these days because Basabi kind of uh, regressed in that regard. So I really like Grenades. I think he's a top 150 prospect. I rank, ranked him way back uh, in July. Uh, I ranked him at 119. So I'm obviously quite high on him, I'm sure relative to most people in the industry as well. Uh, but you know, don't, Underrate him, and again, you know the Athletics are moving everyone up right now. I could definitely see him, you know, being up in the major leagues down the stretch and get having a meaningful everyday role uh, for the Athletics. Uh, the last hitting prospect I want to talk on about is probably the one that I'm easily the lowest on the industry, just about on, and it's Everson Pereira, outfield prospect for the New York Yankees. Uh, Pereira. Uh, I know that some have him within their top 50 uh, for dynasty purposes. Some have him within his, their top 25 for dynasty purposes. Uh, in a mock, in a recent mock that I was part of in the industry, he was a, it was a 14-team mock, I believe, and he was a third-round pick. So, I'm very much not there. I get it, though. I get it. Pereira has really big power. Uh, so far this year in AAA, his Average exit velocity is 93 miles an hour. Max exit velocity of 114.5. Hard hit rate of 47.1%. Very legit power for Pereira. And he gets to it in games. He's hit for power basically ever since he's been in professional ball, or been in full season ball, he's hit for a ton of power. Uh, His full season ISO over the course of his entire career is almost 250. So, there is power he gets to it in games i mean i think that it is border it's very clearly plus you know his 90th percentile exit velocity triple a is 107 so uh you know again really big power uh 107.1 really big power he barrels a decent bit of ball bit to 10.3 percent barrel rate uh, Rafaela for context, 12.3% barrel rate, by the way, this year so far in AAA, which is crazy. But back to Pereira. You know, I think the big concern I have with Pereira is whether he's going to make enough contact. Contact's been a real issue for him his entire career. Uh, his contact rates are generally between 60 and 65%, just about, or hovering around 65%. This year in AAA, his contact rate is 66.2%. His zone contact rate is 79.2%. You know, That those types of contact issues, even with that type of power he has, are real concerns. Uh, He's also swings a reasonable amount. Um, his swing rate's 52.5 percent. He is ten, he's been fairly aggressive throughout his career at the plate. I do think you know he has decent plate discipline. You know, he doesn't necessarily chase a ton, but he has chased a decent bit in the past. So, I think it's something to monitor. My concern here with Pereira is there's just not a very long list of players that are impact fantasy performers that whiff as much as he does. Um, and a lot of those players are sort of outlier players. And, you know, expecting a prospect like Pereira, any prospect for that matter, to develop into an outlier is expecting way too much often. And I think that that's my real concern with Pereira. I think there's a huge busk potent, potential here with Pereira, sort of like what we saw with Floreal, you know, with the Yankees. Uh, you know, I think obviously Pereira, at this point, I'm going to be moving Pereira back into my top 100, but he's not going to be anywhere close to my top 50. I think the contact concerns are so extreme for me that I just don't, I just don't really trust him at all. Um, now, Players do perform, can perform with these content issues. Someone like a Teoscar Hernandez, I think, is what you're hoping Pereira develops into. But then there's players like, and then the other options, which are fine outcomes, are like Christopher Morel, Joey Weimer, Jake Berger. Those are sort of like what you're looking at with Pereira. And, you know, I mean, those are mixed bags generally, and they're extremely volatile. They'll go on hot streaks and massive cold streaks, and I just think that that's what we're going to see with Pereira at the major league level, once he does arrive, now he is on the forty-man rosters roster, and the Yankees currently are platooning Oswaldo Cabrera and Billy McKinnon, McKinney in left field, so I could certainly see Pereira being a player who comes down, comes up, to, you know, in late August, early September, down the stretch to get him a cup of coffee, at preservers rookie stats for next year. You know, they also have Harrison Bader in center field, who you know is always on the verge of getting injured um Aaron Judge as well of course um with the recent injuries this year so I think that Pereira definitely has an avenue to getting a major league role that's pretty substantial down the stretch for the Yankees now I'm sure Yankees fans are sick and tired of all their hitters striking out all the time and whiffing and you know Pereira is definitely going to be in that mold and not going to help them with that concern uh I just, I have trouble seeing him being a great fail in this roster either as well. You know, this is a very righty heavy lineup, very righty heavy roster. And of course, Pereira is a righty. So I, I, I have lots of reservations about Pereira. I'm easily the low guy on him. I really think it's an open question whether he's going to hit enough. And, you know, even if the power, which is very big, even if it's, power that could potentially be 30 home run power and enough speed to steal double digit bases i mean at what cost is it going to come because i think he could be a guy who hits like 210 220 and you know that type of player in my mind has no business being a top 25 prospect personally because i just don't think that you can project a great average right now for Pereira uh, unless you completely discount unless you think he's going to be one of these outliers I mean he could be uh, but it's not something I'm willing to gamble on all right that'll do it for today's episode thanks for listening in the return of Tino uh, I will should be back next week to discuss uh, some more baseball um, but again you know thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for more Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?